Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Emma and Rebecca Talk IP, the series where we take a few minutes each week or so to discuss a topic in the world of intellectual property that's caught our attention and try to unravel what's really going on. My name is Rebecca Gay. And I'm Emma Isles. Now, in a previous episode of the podcast, we have talked about the energy transition and how patent filings can give some indication of progress with the development and commercialisation of clean technologies. In today's episode, and on a related topic, we're going to talk about innovation for the circular economy. And we are joined today by the lovely Catherine Chan from our IP team at HSF in Melbourne for her very first appearance on the podcast. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks very much, Emma. Thanks, Rebecca. I'm excited to be here. It's really great to have you, Catherine. Now, the circular economy. Shall we start by explaining for listeners what that is? Sure. So a circular economy is really about keeping resources circulating in the economy and out of landfill. So this is in contrast to a linear economy that uses resources and creates waste. The aim of a circular economy is to use products for as long as possible and then to recover the materials at the end of life rather than sending things to landfill and then extracting new resources. Some simple examples are reusable shopping bags that have become a staple in every household and reusable coffee cups. And moving to a circular economy is a significant task. Australia generated an estimated 75.8 million tonnes of waste in 2020-2021, which is equivalent to almost three tonnes per person. And our resource recovery rate in the same period was 63%, which is on the rise compared to previous years, but still undoubtedly below where it needs to be. In fact, all three levels of government have committed to having a resource recovery rate of 80% by 2030. So we really have a fair way to go. We do indeed. Um, And it's right that the government's getting involved. So for for obvious reasons in Australia, this is an area that's the subject of increasing oversight and regulation in an effort to transition to that circular economy by 2030. This is all part of the National Waste Policy Action Plan that was published uh, back in 2019. One particular target of this regulation and oversight is product packaging. In fact, according to the National Packaging Targets established in 2018, by 2025, 100% of packaging in Australia will be reusable, recyclable or compostable. 70% of plastic packaging will be recycled or compostable. And the average recycled content included in packaging will be 50%. It's also recently been agreed by Australia's environmental ministers that the federal government will step up as the new regulator of packaging standards and mandate how packaging is designed, set minimum recycled content requirements and prohibit harmful chemicals being used. There will also be a national traceability framework to drive the reuse of recovered plastics, glass and other materials into new products. Wow, it's of course going to require quite a shift to get all of that done. And undoubtedly, innovation and some new technologies, which IP lawyers like us love. It's also a significant opportunity, I think, for businesses who are willing to innovate and design high quality packaging that has a positive environmental impact because that sort of thing is going to attract customers. In fact, the global sustainability packaging market was worth over $101 billion US in 2022, and it's projected to double in value in the next 10 years. So it's potentially quite a lucrative market. And if things you produce are protected by IP rights, such as patents or design registrations, 
Innovative packaging could also present a licensing opportunity and a new revenue stream for the relevant IP owner. I'm aware that the dairy industry is already taking some quite significant steps towards a circular economy, but think, for example, if you developed an innovative material or a system of reusable containers that could be used for milk bottles or a removable label system that avoids the materials and adhesives in existing labels that can be problematic for reusability and recyclability. There's the potential for an innovative design or system to become an industry standard, which offers significant licensing opportunities, including beyond Australia. I think my grandfather, would, who was a milk run person, would find the idea of reusable milk bottles being something to innovate for quite funny because he used to pick up old glass <laughs> milk bottles every day. <laughs> Maybe we need to go back to that. Maybe. But in, anyway, in relation to plastics recycling alone, the CSIRO conducted an analysis of global trends in 2017 and found that of the sectors filing patents relating to recycled plastics, 40% of the patents filed in the 10 years leading to 2017 were in the field of packaging. And Catherine, there's some really great examples out there of businesses already taking pretty major steps towards better packaging through innovation, aren't there? It certainly is. So a particularly good example is Diageo. So Diageo is the business responsible for premium mixed drinks like Johnny Walker, Tanqueray, Smirnoff and Baileys. And it has a sustainable solutions program through which it invests in new technologies and partnerships with startups to unlock new ideas and solutions for sustainability. Diageo is also developing the first ever PET-free paper-based spirits bottle for Johnny Walker that is due for release this year. The bottle is said to be a paper-based pulp bottle. And a quick check of the Australian Patents Register shows that Diageo has filed patents for a system and method for forming containers to hold liquids from paper pulp. It has also filed a patent for a mould for forming a unitary article from pulp. And assuming those patents are granted and the technology is a commercial success, Diageo will be in a position to decide whether to exploit its monopoly and license it to others or collaborate to make it even better. Another example of smart innovation partnered with IP protection, but perhaps a little bit closer to home, is the Keep Cup, which I actually didn't realise until just before we made this podcast, is an Australian business uh, that designs and makes stylish and reusable coffee cups that I think most of us would be familiar with. Interestingly, in doing some research for this episode, I saw that following the airing of the ABC's War on Waste series that highlighted environmental impacts of the masses of waste produced in Australia each year, including the rather terrifying statistic that 50,000 disposable coffee cups were sent to landfill every 30 minutes in Australia, keep cup sales went up by 400%, so that's pretty extraordinary. Now, on the IP side of things, the Keep Cup design itself has been the subject of several different design registrations, some of which have now expired after reaching the end of their 10-year term. Uh, and Keep Cup also has some uh, patents for cups and closure mechani mechanisms. And interestingly, while some registered design rights may have expired since the launch in 2007, Keep Cup will have also obtained common law rights in the distinctive appearance or get-up of its cups. So that means that the design is not without protection. In fact, because of its distinctiveness and because Keep Cup has such a good reputation in Australia, uh, anyone seeking to replicate the design would need to think pretty carefully about the common law of passing off uh, and possibly misleading and deceptive conduct. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and to go back to basics on that, you know, passing off is a tort that aims to protect 
reputation and goodwill that's been established by a business in a particular getup. So where a particular product's branding or getup has become distinctive, if someone else's product comes so close that it could be considered they've misrepresented to consumers in a given market, their product is coming from the source with the reputation, then the copier could be subject to a claim for passing off. So basically trading off your products as someone else's and taking advantage of an established reputation. And there's also closely related prohibitions against misrepresentations and misleading and deceptive conduct in the Australian consumer law that could come into play in this type of scenario. These actions don't rely on registered rights, but typically there'll be a need to have a reputation in respect of a product and its distinctive appearance. This would mean that newer products coming to market are unlikely to be able to benefit from these sorts of rights and would need to have registered IP rights to have the same sort of monopoly on a design or function of their innovation. Catherine, moving away from the packaging of goods and beverages, there are some um, other areas that seem ripe for innovation in terms of packaging, um, and in particular, the cosmetics industry. Yes, that's right. So this is an industry known for fairly excessive use of plastics and non-recyclable materials and millions of beauty products sold around the world every year, which means the beauty sector is obviously going to need to make some significant changes for sustainability. One particular trend we are seeing is reusable and refillable packaging. So brands that I quite like to use, like L'Occitane, Hourglass and Lalabo, have joined this trend. Another company making advances in this field is Unilever. So brands like Dove and Sunsilk come under that umbrella. And Unilever has developed a post-consumer resin to achieve sustainable black plastic packaging suitable for personal care, beauty and cosmetics. The invention enables black plastic waste to be reused in new packaging. In fact, the back-coloured packaging can be made using more than 95% post-consumer recycled plastic materials. This will have the effect of reducing the use of virgin plastics. Unilever has filed patents for this packaging invention in countries including the US, China, Europe, Japan and Canada. And interestingly, nothing in Australia so far that we could find. It certainly sounds like Unilever is uh, investing heavily in sustainable packaging. And in fact, in recent years, it's set up a dedicated packaging R&D centre where it says packaging experts, digital modellers and material scientists are developing next generation packaging that's recyclable and renewable. The packaging R&D facility is actually part of Unilever's Food Innovation Centre, which it calls The Hive, uh, which opened back in 2019 and is described as an agri-food research hub. And through that centre, Unilever houses innovation programs for sustainable food production, as well as packaging, which is impressive and great to see. Yeah, really great. I think we can expect to see plenty more innovation and consistent changes to the product packaging around us going forward bit of a revolution coming there, I think. Well, that brings us to the end of the episode. Thanks so much for joining us, Catherine. Until next time. In the spirit of reconciliation, Herbert Smith Freehills acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud and visit our website, 
herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.